You're listening to Tax Talk, a podcast series from the Irish Tax Institute, which explores current issues in the world of taxation. I'm your host, Samantha McCochran. In this, our sixth episode, we'll be meeting with incoming Irish Tax Institute President Karen Frawley, who will discuss her background, her work in the Institute and areas of particular interest for the year ahead. You're a partner with Deloitte. Tell us a little bit about your career and your involvement in the Irish Tax Institute. So, um... I joined council um, initially in in 2011, um, have served on council since in recent years. I've chaired the policy and technical committee and also the international tax working group. Um, So it's been an interesting time and I suppose really enjoyed the the work that we've been doing um, and and seeing firsthand all the great work that that everyone within the institute does on a day-to-day basis. And uh, am I right in thinking you're based in Limerick? I am, yeah, yeah. And have you always been based in Limerick or have you moved around a bit? Or um, I've, I've been based between Limerick and, and Dublin primarily. Um, I would have done a couple of stints where I would have spent a couple of years in, in Dublin, but probably one of um, what could be maybe looked on as the early movers on, on remote working um, would have last moved back down from Dublin about six, seven years ago, in or around the time I was appointed a partner. Um, but in or around that time, as a practice, we had decided very much that we were less concerned around where someone was based, but that you would still do the, the same work and that we operated as a national tax practice, which has actually benefited us, both from a talent perspective and equally as, as we came into the pandemic and, and people needing to to remote work a lot of people were already set up um in that regard already yeah so I think there's a bit of a discussion now about how long a lot of employers will actually stick with the remote working but um you've seen it firsthand that it can be pretty successful so I, I suppose you're pretty optimistic that it will be something that can prevail post-pandemic I, I mean there's there's for and against um I think everyone misses the social side of of working in an office and interacting on a day-to-day basis with your colleagues and I know from, you know, some internal surveys we've done around employees, there seems to be a sense that a lot of people would like a hybrid approach where they were in the office a few days a week, but equally having the flexibility to work from home when they needed to. And I think it is that point around flexibility. Everyone has different circumstances. Different people need different things. Some people are quite happy being in the office all day, every day. Um, other people are happy working at home all day, every day, or their commute means that's what makes sense practically. But the majority of people want a, a mix of both. So I think there's going to be a bit of a, a, a kind of a, a period of finding our way while everyone like finds out what balance works for them. And so you're starting your role as president just as we're really opening up the economy. But looking back, it has been an incredible 18 months, huge amount of uncertainty at points, a lot of support schemes from government and good bit of forbearance from revenue as well so that's been very positive but it's also brought with it a lot of paperwork uh, new deadlines new criteria to work out when the schemes are published uh how do you think the profession and its clients have fared during the pandemic um i would probably take quite an optimistic view i mean i i think tax practitioners have worked extremely hard uh both within their own practices and, and on behalf of clients and I mean, I, I can see that um, across the board, whether it's people working in big four industry or in smaller practices, everyone has been really busy. Um, the requirements, as you said, the paperwork has gone up. 
you know, a lot of the, the supports or schemes were developed quite quickly. And then quite quickly, in turn, practitioners had to get on top of the rules, the requirements, and translate that to their, their clients to make it workable for them really, really quickly. And then equally, when we look at our members within revenue, you know, some of those schemes were written over the course of a weekend and, and developed quite quickly and stood up in a really impressive way. So I think there's been a lot of co- collaboration, both between revenue and practitioners, but equally a lot of hard work with practitioners working on behalf of their clients to make these things work for them. And and it's great to see the economy uh, reopening. We all welcome that. But I suppose we're entering a new phase now. And, uh, you know, the government, it's been very clear that a lot of the schemes will have to run their course. And, you know, even though they're pushing them maybe out a couple of months, we are coming to that day. Uh, debt warehousing, for example, repayments, that'll come around quite quickly, 2023. I mean, we're quite nearly at the end of, of this year. So do you have any concerns about how that's going to play out over the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time. I mean, I was shocked to see when the figure was called out in in the summer economic um, statement in July that 15 billion had been spent on the various schemes over the course of the the pandemic, which is just an eye-watering amount in, in any language. But I suppose it was equally positive to see there being within budget 2022 a commitment to set aside a, a contingency fund of another 2.8 billion to continue some of those schemes or or develop them further in, into new um, supports. The debt warehousing is an interesting one. I mean, you know, it is obviously signaled to to end at a point, and I I think you know the institute would be advocating that you know revenue in the Department of Finance have you know worked really well up until now with with taxpayers to show a level of of forbearance and i suppose we'd be keen that that would continue and it's not that the shutters come down at a a drop dead date i mean revenue have have been quite vocal that they will work with taxpayers as best they can and and even as people emerge from debt warehousing if there are difficulties that they will work through those difficulties with them and, and try and agree fair and reasonable payment terms so I suppose we, we'd be conscious and, and hopeful that that would continue. The, the debt warehousing, obviously, the longer that can continue, the better. I think, you know, everyone accepts there are going to be businesses that have struggled, that at a point may even fail. But we would be keen that, you know, the collection of tax isn't the reason that those businesses might fail. Um, that if commercial circumstances dictate it and, and they run their national co- natural course, that, that that obviously will happen, but that there would be a, a level of flexibility around tax payments and, and debt warehousing in particular. You know, like we've seen the central bank encouraging banks to be supportive of clients. You know, it's going across the board. Uh, revenue, again, as you mentioned there, have indicated that they will be uh, supportive where they can be. It's going to be very challenging to weed out the companies that inevitably will fail versus the companies that have a very, very strong chance of prospering at some point uh, in in the short to medium term, will tax practitioners have some role in helping somebody be the arbiter of which companies survive and which companies uh, may not, you know, uh, have future supports? I mean, I I don't mean they'll have a direct role, but certainly a supporting role in, in making sure that their clients understand what the options available are, where there are potential supports, um, and certainly where engagement is needed with revenue or around flexible terms, absolutely. So uh, that's been 
a very prominent theme through the last 18 months is we has been COVID supports. But there is, you know, another big international story, which is, you know, hanging over us, I suppose, to some extent, is, is tax reform. The OECD is progressing quite quickly with its proposed tax rate of 15%. The US uh, keen to see change also. Does Ireland have a lot to fear at this point? I mean, it's already been signalled by, by the Minister for Finance that, you know, the, the initial assessment of the impact would, would be, you know, in the order of, of two billion a year. Um, and, it, you know, it's hard to know when any time will tell how accurate that figure is or, or how it plays out. I suppose the prob- problem for most taxpayers at this point is there's so much uncertainty around what's going to happen. I think a lot of people will accept that global reform is needed in some shape or form. Um, Not everyone agrees on what that global reform should look like, but there still are an awful lot of moving parts, whether that's what happens in in the OECD work stream, but equally what happens in the US could potentially be more damaging for Ireland than the OECD work. And then there, there's the EU component as well as to whether the EU goes it alone and, and drives ahead of, of some of those proposals as well. So I suppose a, a challenging time, particularly as, as taxpayers and multinational groups are, are trying to look out a number of years uh, as to how things might play out. And then equally from an Irish perspective, there's, there's no doubt there's going to be an impact. But at this point, it, it's hard to assess exactly what that is. And like, there's been a huge amount of uh, focus on what that means for multinationals. Will they commit to Ireland longer term? Will it make us a less attractive location? Is there going to be an impact on Indigenous companies as well, if there is this kind of seismic change in how international uh, corporate tax is viewed and dealt with internationally? I mean, there's probably a couple of pieces to that, Samantha. I mean, firstly, there's the piece around, well, you know, tax isn't, you know, the be all and end all in our our competitive regime in, in attracting multinationals. There are obviously other parts, particularly around talent, that are very much at play. So I think as a whole, it's worth government looking at, well, how can we make ourselves more attractive, both within our tax regime and outside of our tax regime, because our hands may be tied on on some of the tax issues. But then you can look at things as simple as, well, how easy is it to do business in Ireland? How easy is it to interact with revenue? How easy is it to access certain reliefs or, you know, supports? Um, you know, you take something like the interest limitation rules, which which are coming into play potentially next year. Do we need to make them very complex or is there benefit in making them as simple as possible? And, you know, rather than layering them on top of some of our existing interest limitation rules and interest restrictions, is there an opportunity to make that whole regime and, and how we deal with interest deductions easier? And there is a huge reliance in Ireland on FTI and uh, global corporates. That's been you know, part of our strategy for, for many, many years. Is this an opportunity to shift that balance a bit or, or is it just too much of a, a large piece of our, our kind of economy to actually compensate in any way? Can we do anything to try and compensate our reliance on those large firms that have made up so much of the tax returns for for the the last number of years? I mean, I I think it's not a great great place to be to be over-reliant on on any one tax stream. So, you know, there's probably a couple of elements where we need to to widen our tax base potentially in in the income tax regime, 
But equally, we need to look more to the domestic economy and seeing how we can ensure that we have a, a thriving domestic economy uh, as we come out of, of the pandemic, you know, both in supporting our larger Indigenous companies to become large scale or even more large scale exporters, um, but then looking at encouraging innovation, encouraging entrepreneurship and doing that all we can to create that environment of, of entrepreneurship rather than what we've had potentially in the past with entrepreneurs going abroad to, to make it because there hasn't been the right infrastructure here. And I mean, tax can be a feature of that. Um, the Institute over the last number of years, even pre-pandemic, would have been very much advocating that we look at things, you know, to, to support entrepreneurs, to support investment in, in domestic companies. I mean, one clear thing um, that, that practitioners and the Institute have flagged over the last number of years is our capital gains tax rate. At 33%, it's, it's far higher than, than a lot of our peers and potentially puts uh, us as at a competitive disadvantage for investment. There is obviously the, the 10% entrepreneur's relief, but that's capped and of limited benefit, particularly for what we would call angel investors. So, I mean, anything we can do, and, and even if you look to the past, when the capital gains tax rate was reduced as low as 20%, receipts went up because it encouraged people to dispose of properties, to dispose of investments, and for there to be a, a more active market, uh, particularly in the investment space. So that's something that, that we would very much be advocating for. And you deal with large uh, multinationals, but you also deal with companies uh, in, in Limerick and around the country, which are indigenous, large indigenous companies are also. The whole discussion around the corporate tax rate how big is that on their minds? Is that one of the top priorities or has that been somewhat distracted, you know, somewhat overshadowed by, by what's happened with the you know, economy and the health issues of the last 18 months? I would say it's, it's not front of mind because there's no imminent changes at this point and, and no immediate changes in law. I mean, I, I think for domestic companies and, and smaller traders, you know, there, there are a couple of quirks. I mean, when you look at the fact we have two rates of tax, um, a 12.5% and 25%, you know, with new transfer pricing um, rules potentially coming into play, that does cause difficulty because potentially you could if some of that legislation is brought into play, end up in a scenario where you have one company getting a deduction at 12.5%, but another company um, being taxed at, at 25% on, on that income. Um, so there is things like that, that that does bring the tax rate front of mind. Um, and I suppose there is a, an interesting discussion and, and something that, that's being discussed even within the Institute. You know, is there merit at this point in, in removing the 25% rate and, and having the one rate of tax similar to, to other regimes. So um, another post-pandemic, we're not quite post-pandemic yet, but wherever we are in the pandemic, a lot of discussion at the moment is around the competition for talent and also just um, shortages across the board in the workforce. You, training is, has, is an important uh, aspect of the Institute's work. Is that something that's uh, continued as normal during the pandemic or has there been a lot of change or how, how, how has the Institute done on that front? Yeah, so, you know, almost everything has, has moved into the, the virtual in, environment. And, and I think the Institute did a phenomenal job in, in moving both exams and seminars online 
really quickly, um, which wasn't an easy task, particularly given the time of year when, when people went into lockdown, it was getting quite close to exam season. So there was a really heavy lift within the Institute and really great work done to, to really make sure that that happened almost seamlessly. And, and I know certainly from, from talking to people doing exams on my own team, that has worked really well and, and that's been really successful. And there's a question at this point, God, would we ever go back to, to written exams again? And I, I suspect not. Um, and then on, on the other side, I mean, I, I think everyone has missed engagement in person. Um, I know there's things that, you know, we obviously haven't run in, in the last 12, 15 months, things like the Meet the Members Tour, or, you know, there, there would have been a, a finance bit roadshow, um, which would have been virtual rather than in person. Um, so things like that, I think a lot of people and a lot of members have missed, but obviously because of the restrictions couldn't go ahead. So again, you know, my sense is the Institute will, will go again to a hybrid mix. Some things will be in person, some things will be virtual and, and there'll be an element of, of finding the right balance for members. And uh, another side of this is that there's a lot of opportunity for people who are ambitious and who want to move ahead with their careers. Getting more women to, into STEM has been a theme that we've seen on the education front for some time. Uh, you're obviously you know, a senior woman in, in, in your profession. What would your, your view be on women in STEM and getting women to higher levels of, of organisations, tax practitioners and otherwise? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you look at, you know, the stats either within Deloitte or across the practice, or even when you look to our membership within the Institute, it's fairly 50-50 in, in terms of male-female split. So I don't think we necessarily have an issue with getting females in, into tax. Um, I think, you know, the issue probably presents itself as people progress through training contract. Um, and into more senior roles that you do see a, a level of, of drop off where people either choose to, to look at more flexible working arrangements um, or look at either, you know, doing something different or exiting from from the workplace. Um, so in some ways, I, I think the pandemic and the flexibility and the remote working should help that. But there is equally, you know, work to be done to see, well, how do we support females in, in particular to, to stay in tax and, and to move into those senior roles where they are pushing the agenda. Another thing that was overshadowed by the pandemic was Brexit. A couple of years ago, this conversation would have been dominated by Brexit. Has it happened reasonably seamlessly in the end? Um, it, it's been it's been mixed. I mean, there's obviously a, a lot more work required in, in the customs and excise space. Um, there has been difficulties. I'm I'm aware even on some of my own clients or, or some of my own colleagues working in indirect tax, they would have been getting panicked phone calls. Why can't we move goods in December? What happens? Why isn't this all working? Even, you know, on moving goods um, in ways that you might think shouldn't have an impact. So, I mean, I think there was certainly not a level of panic, but there there was some, you know, difficult moments, particularly last December, January. But I, I think most of that has passed at this point. A lot of the creases have, have been ironed out and, and we're getting to a good place. I mean, it's hard to see long term what, what the impact of um, Brexit might be. 
in some areas it will serve Ireland well, in others not so well. But I suppose at this point, at least there's a level of, of certainty as, as to how to do business going forward. So given there's been Brexit panic at points over the last year or two, but also just incredible uh adversity thrown the way of all of us but business the economy has really had a very rough time tax practitioners have often been at the front of of, of a lot of the 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 business side of it certainly from as we were talking about earlier the government supports and revenue uh, initiatives how do you feel looking forward now that we are reopening and given we were very uncertain how this would all play out are you feeling that we've got through this reasonably well is there cause to be optimistic in your year uh, as president of the institute, I suppose. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to feel. I mean, I, I think we're we're at an interesting time. I mean, things are beginning to to open up. There's clarity on when a lot of the restrictions will be lifted. Uh, the remaining sectors of the economy that haven't been opened are beginning to open. So I'd say all round, there's there's a level of optimism. Um, and I, I think people will, will generally feel positive around around how, where we go from here. I mean, there's obviously questions around boosters, how the winter season will go. Um, but but I think people are, are generally in a good good space. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll all get to see some sun on foreign holidays next year. <laughs> um, so there's there's a lot to look forward to, and and I think you know the the piece that I'm certainly looking forward to is is being able to to engage with people on on um on a you know a face-to-face basis rather than than over zoom i i think no one will will miss the days where you have nothing but uh, video calls from from one end of the day to the next sometimes one end of the week to the next um so it, it'd be good to start seeing people face to face and and talking to people on a more social normal basis um so that's something that that's definitely worth looking forward to just one last um macro issue that's becoming really central to um, all of our lives is sustainability. And I think a few years ago, it might have been seen as a box ticking exercise. It's it's definitely moved into centre stage and your profession is increasingly having a role to play as well in in ensuring that clients are meeting their requirements, etc. And and delivering on what they're saying they're delivering on. Is that something you think we're going to see more and more of over the next few years? Inevitably, I suppose we will. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I've seen it both within our own organization and, and equally with clients as well, that more and more it's it's creeping into the discussion. It's it's becoming a standing item on, on boardroom agendas. It's being something that investors are asking about. And actually, we'd see a lot of our graduates when when they're going through the interview process, ask around what our own policies are and, and what we're doing ourselves to, to move forward on our own agenda. So it's just becoming more and, and more important. I mean, I, I would have had an expectation that during the pandemic that some of that would have dampened down when, when people had other things to focus on, but actually it hasn't. So I can see it as the issues around the um, pandemic begin to fade, that the, the whole area of sustainability will become more important and, and will move front and centre as probably one of the key issues we need to think about. We touched on remote working uh, earlier on. That's been a you know digital transformation in one way, but we are facing into more digital transformation. And the profession, um, tax practitioners are looking into more automation, uh, more digitalization of their work, and, and AI and other new technologies are going to play their role in the in the coming years. Do you think that's going to have a lot of implications for how you do your work, training, and what skills are going to be important in the future? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know the Institute are about to kick off a campaign around the value of tax advisors. And I think that's certainly changing. You know, I can remember and probably to my my age, um, studiously filling out tax returns with pen and paper, um, which which were then sent to the client for signing or sent back to us and then delivered into revenue. Um, and that actually wasn't that long ago. Uh, but quite quickly, we had to start dealing with revenue online. And I think practitioners, you know, transitioned to that really well. And, and that digitization and, and moving online or even moving to real time uh, PYE reporting and PYE modernization has been a shift and, and has been gradual. You know, my expectation is that will probably happen with, with the AT returns um, quite quickly. Um, and more and more, we'll see some of our services, you know, moving into automation, digitization. You look at other countries where a taxpayer effectively files their accounts with revenue every month and or every quarter and taxes are calculated automatically. That That's the future we're looking at. And you'd say, well, what does the tax practitioner have to do in, in that world? And it's really moving more away from the compliance and moving more into to being that strategic advisor, seeing, you know, are you paying the right amount of tax? Are you doing things in the right way? Have you the, the right processes in place? And, and where is their value? What can you be doing differently um, across the board? So I, I think it is, you know, moving more into that strategic contribution rather than, than being a pure compliance function. So some interesting times ahead. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. Karen Frawley, incoming president of the Irish Tax Institute. And that's it for this episode of Tax Talk.